The Desire of Ages, Chapter 43, Barriers Broken Down. After the encounter with the Pharisees, Jesus withdrew from Capernaum and crossing Galilee, repaired to the hill country on the borders of Phenicenia. Looking westward, he could see spread out upon the plain below the ancient cities of Tyre and Sidon, with their heathen temples, their magnificent palaces and marts of trade, and the harbours filled with shipping. Beyond was the blue expanse of the Mediterranean, over which the messengers of the gospel were to bear its glad tidings to the centres of the world's great empire. But the time was not yet. The work before him now was to prepare his disciples for their mission. In coming to this region, he had hoped to find the retirement he had failed to secure at Bethsaida. Yet this was not his only purpose in taking this journey. Behold, a Canaanitish woman came out from those borders and cried, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. The people of this district were of the old Canaanite race. They were idolatrous and were despised and hated by the Jews. To this class belonged the woman who now came to Jesus. She was a heathen and was therefore excluded from the advantages which the Jews daily enjoyed. There were many Jews living among the Phoenicians, and the tidings of Christ's work had penetrated to this region. Some of the people had listened to his words and had witnessed his wonderful works. This woman had heard of the prophet, who, it was reported, healed all manner of diseases. As she heard of his power, hope sprang up in her heart. Inspired by a mother's love, she determined to present her daughter's case to him. It was her resolute purpose to bring her affliction to Jesus. He must heal her child. She had sought help from the heathen gods, but had obtained no relief. And at times she was tempted to think, what can this Jewish teacher do for me? But the word had come. He heals all manner of diseases, whether those come to him for help, are rich or poor. She determined not to lose her only hope. Christ knew this woman's situation. He knew that she was longing to see him and he placed himself in her path. By ministering to her sorrow, he could give a living representation of the lesson he designed to teach. For this, he had brought his disciples into this region. He desired them to see the ignorance existing in cities and villages close to the land of Israel. The people who had been given every opportunity to understand the truth were without a knowledge of the needs of those around them. No effort was made to help souls in darkness. The partition wall which Jewish pride had erected shut even the disciples from sympathy with the heathen world. But these barriers were to be broken down. Christ did not immediately reply to the woman's request. He received this representative of a despised race, as the Jews would have done. In this, he designed that his disciples should be impressed with the cold and heartless manner in which the Jews would treat such a case, as evinced by his reception of the woman 
and the compassionate manner in which he would have them deal with such distress, as manifested by his subsequent granting of her petition. But although Jesus did not reply, the woman did not lose faith. As he passed on, as if not hearing her, she followed him, continuing her supplications. Annoyed by her importunities, the disciples asked Jesus to send her away. They saw that their master treated her with indifference, and they therefore supposed that the prejudice of the Jews against the Canaanites was pleasing to him. But it was a pitying Saviour to whom the woman made her plea. And in answer to the request of the disciples, Jesus said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Although this answer appeared to be in accordance with the prejudice of the Jews, it was an implied rebuke to the disciples, which they afterward understood as reminding them of what he had often told them, that he came to the world to save all who would accept him. The woman urged her case with increased earnestness, bowing at Christ's feet and crying, Lord, help me. Jesus, still apparently rejecting her entreaties, according to the unfeeling prejudice of the Jews, answered, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. This was virtually asserting that it was not just to lavish the blessings brought to the favored people of God upon strangers and aliens from Israel. This answer would have utterly discouraged a less earnest seeker, but the woman saw that her opportunity had come. Beneath the apparent refusal of Jesus, she saw a compassion that he could not hide. Truth, Lord, she answered. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. While the children of the household eat at the father's table, even the dogs are not left unfed. They have a right to the crumbs that fall from the table abundantly supplied. So while there were many blessings given to Israel, was there not also a blessing for her? She was looked upon as a dog. And had she not then a dog's claim to a crumb from his bounty? Jesus had just departed from his field of labor because the scribes and Pharisees were seeking to take his life. They murmured and complained. They manifested unbelief and bitterness and refused the salvation so freely offered them. Here Christ meets one of an unfortunate and despised race that has not been favored with the light of God's word, yet she yields at once to the divine influence of Christ and has implicit faith in his ability to grant the favor she asks. She begs for the crumbs that fall from the master's table. If she may have the privilege of a dog, she is willing to be regarded as a dog. She has no national or religious prejudice or pride to influence her course, and she immediately acknowledges Jesus as the Redeemer and as being able to do all that she asks of him. The Savior is satisfied. He has tested her faith in him. By his dealings with her, he has shown that she who has been regarded as an outcast from Israel is no longer an alien, but a child in God's household. As a child, it is her privilege to share in the Father's gifts. 
Christ now grants her request and finishes the lesson to the disciples. Turning to her with a look of pity and love, he says, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. From that hour, her daughter became whole. The demon troubled her no more. The woman departed, acknowledging her Savior and happy in the granting of her prayer. This was the only miracle that Jesus wrought while on this journey. It was for the performance of this act that he went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon. He wished to relieve the afflicted woman and at the same time to leave an example in his work of mercy toward one of a despised people for the benefit of his disciples when he should no longer be with them. He wished to lead them from their Jewish exclusiveness to be interested in working for others besides their own people. Jesus longed to unfold the deep mysteries of the truth which had been hid for ages, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs with the Jews and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. This truth the disciples were slow to learn, and the divine teacher gave them lesson upon lesson. In rewarding the faith of the centurion at Capernaum and preaching the gospel to the inhabitants of Sychar, he had already given evidence that he did not share the intolerance of the Jews. But the Samaritans had some knowledge of God, and the centurion had shown kindness to Israel. Now Jesus brought the disciples in contact with the heathen, whom they regarded as having no reason above any of her people to expect favor from him. He would give an example of how such a one should be treated. The disciples had thought that he dispensed too freely the gifts of his grace. He would show that his love was not to be circumscribed to race or nation. When he said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he stated the truth. And in his work for the Canaanite woman, he was fulfilling his commission. This woman was one of the lost sheep that Israel should have rescued. It was their appointed work, the work which they had neglected that Christ was doing. This act opened the minds of the disciples more fully to the labor that lay before them among the Gentiles. They saw a wide field of usefulness outside of Judea. They saw souls bearing sorrows unknown to those more highly favored. Among those whom they had been taught to despise were souls longing for help from the mighty healer, hungering for the light of truth which had been so abundantly given to the Jews. Afterward, when the Jews turned still more persistently from the disciples because they declared Jesus to be the savior of the world, and when the partition wall between Jew and Gentile was broken down by the death of Christ, this lesson and similar ones which pointed to the gospel work unrestricted by custom or nationality had a powerful influence upon the representatives of Christ in directing their labors. The Saviour's visit to Phoenicia and the miracle there performed had a yet wider purpose. Not alone for the afflicted woman, nor even for his disciples and those who received their labours was the work accomplished. 
but also that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. The same agencies that barred men away from Christ 1800 years ago are at work today. The spirit which built up the partition wall between Jew and Gentile is still active. Pride and prejudice have built strong walls of separation between different classes of men. Christ and his mission have been misrepresented and multitudes feel that they are virtually shut away from the ministry of the gospel. But let them not feel that they are shut away from Christ. There are no barriers which man or Satan can erect but that faith can penetrate. In faith the woman of Phoenicia flung herself against the barriers that had been piled up against Jew and Gentile against discouragement, regardless of appearances that might have led her to doubt, she trusted the Saviour's love. It is thus that Christ desires us to trust him. The blessings of salvation are for every soul. Nothing but his own choice can prevent any man from becoming a partaker of the promise in Christ by the gospel. Cast is hateful to God. He ignores everything of this character. In his sight, the souls of all men are of equal value. He hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us without distinction of age or rank or nationality or religious privileges, all are invited to come unto him and live. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.